You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. Uh, Cindy was supposed to start that, and I just love it. She was so engulfed in her own worship and praise, she forgot she was supposed to sing. And I love that because that's, that's how God wants us to be. He wants to be, just to be so focused on Him that other things just disappear. Other things don't matter. Other things just dissipate because we're so engulfed in the presence of God and trying to worship His name and magnify His name that nothing else matters. Amen? And we're going to try to get to that place today because enough is enough. And I want, before I start, I didn't get to do this um, last week, and I want to just take one quick second and do this. Um, I, I was out of town several weeks ago, and, and Nick spoke. And I just want to let you know, man, I was so proud of Nick. Nick did such a wonderful, incredible job. Um, and I didn't want to go by without giving, uh, you know, affirmation on, on that and what a wonderful job he did. So, so, Nick, thank you so much for filling in there while I was, was gone. But enough is enough. We, I'm going to talk to you today. I'm going to do more storytelling today. You know, I try to switch it up. Sometimes I'll preach this way, and I'll break down scriptures, and sometimes I'll do this, and sometimes I'll preach, sometimes I'll teach. But today we're going to kind of storytell and bring out some, some thoughts about a story that I feel like God has really put in my heart and through study that I found that I really feel like it's really going to bless you and it's going to help you, especially if you feel like you said a while ago that it's enough's enough. My gosh, I'm done with this. I'm desperate for a change. I'm desperate for help. I'm desperate for Jesus. You know, that's a problem to today is nobody's desperate for Jesus anymore. They're, they're, it's it's when, they, when it's convenient for them. They want Jesus when it's convenient for them. And if it's not convenient or I'm busy or whatever, then I don't got time. But whenever I get time, I'll, I'll make time. But what the thing is, is we need to get to the place where we're desperate for Jesus. And there, we're going to talk to, I'm going to tell you a story. There's two people actually in the story, but I'm going to focus on one. Um, one was um, in Luke at chapter 8. And one was Jarius. Jarius was a well-to-do man. He was, he was uh, on the court, the high court, and he was running to Jesus. And he was desperate for Jesus. His daughter was dying. And anybody know, if, you, if you're a husband or, or a wife, your mom or dad, your daughter's dying. You, you want so bad to make sure and get somebody to, um, to help you. And they knew Jesus would help him. So they, they ran. He ran to Jesus and said, God, Jesus, I need your help. I need you to come heal my daughter. And he's like, okay, and so let's go. So they, they left, okay? And I want to talk to you right at what happened right after that, okay? Because there was a long day prior to that, prior to this happening, but this whole scenario, to show God's patience and his compassion. Um, there was a large crowd, and Jesus was talking about the, the farmer and the seed, sowing the seed, and then um, about the lamp, and then he, he talked about how it shouldn't be hidden, that we need to let our light shine. And then, then right after that, we was going across the, the water where Jesus was sleeping at the bottom of the boat, and they woke him up because the disciples were freaking out because of the fact that they were worried that they were going to drown. And then they got to the shore, and Jesus um, healed a demon-possessed man and, and cast all the, those demons in him into the, into the pigs. And then he went on to the other side of the lake, and then this, all this is happening. So, man, there's a lot going on. You know, and after all that, you know, I'm just tired after Friday night. You know, um, you know and after all that, Jesus has still got compassion. He's still attentive to everybody's needs around. And he's with Jairus, and he's walking with Jairus, and I'm sure Jairus had a pretty fast pace. My daughter's died, so we, you know, he's kind of setting the pace for the thing. So they're walking, but then... I want to read this story to you, and then I'm going to talk about it and kind of retell it a little bit to you. A woman in the crowd, this is um, 
Luke 8, 43 through 48. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding or hemorrhaging. And she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Just a fringe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, everyone's pressing in against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me. So let's say deliberately. deliberately. Amen. I want to tell you some key words, let's say, to get it in your heart and your spirit. But I felt healing, and I felt healing power go out of me. Okay, he felt his healing power um, go out from, from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fall to her knees in front of him. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him. And that's, that's funny. Can you imagine? Jesus had this big long day, and this lady's going to tell her the whole story about why she's going through this stuff. And Jerry's just sitting there like, okay, my daughter's dying. Can we go now? And she's like, well, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what happened. Since, I, since I'm, I'm caught, let me explain this. And you, and you know, if it's, any, if it's somebody like my sister, some people can't, but my sister has to tell details about everything. You know, she tells you the whole story about how she got to where even she wants to tell you. I love her to death, but she's so funny with that. But anyway, it says, and, and the whole crowd heard her explain this, right? And then he immediately healed, and, she, and then he said, Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. So there was a big crowd surrounding Jesus because Jairus was said, Hey, my daughter, some people came with Jairus. And Jesus had a crowd around him already. And when Jerry said, hey, my daughter's dying, everybody loved to see the miracles of Jesus. Everybody loved, even the notorious sinners. People would just love, like, wow, this is incredible. Even people who didn't understand it really fought with Jesus, fought alongside Jesus. And they're like, hey, I just want, I want to see what's going to happen. Because they were amazed and blown away by his authority. You know, and it would, it would not have been unusual for a woman to be in a group following Jesus. There's a lot of women, Mary Magdalene, a lot, there's a lot of powerful women that, that funded God's, you know, Jesus' ministry and stuff. So they were around him, but typically um, they would kind of be kind of in the back. Because in that day, thank God things have changed, but in that day women didn't matter. They had a, the men surrounded Jesus and the women kind of were around, around the edge. But the thing is, is this particular woman had no business being there at all. Because she was sick. She was very, very sick. She was weak, had a weakened condition um, that, that had her hemorrhaging for 12 years. 12 years. of, and she, So she was anemic at this point for sure. She had the same, and what's so cool about this, as she had this 12-year issue, and Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. So when this little girl was born, this woman began her journey of the situation. And everything in the Bible is really kind of cool. If you really pay attention, start studying. 12, 12, 12 is, um, is a number of power and authority, okay? And so Jacob, you know, Abraham had Isaac and Jacob, right? Um, Jacob had 12 sons of power and authority. And those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Judah, representing the power and authority of the nation. The high priest would go into the holy place, and when they went into the holy place, he would have an ephod on that had 12 jewels, which represented the 12 tribes of Israel of power and authority. And then in the New Testament, you have the new high priest, Jesus Christ, and we, Jesus shows up on the scene when he's how old? 12 years old. And he, he, go, he goes up to be 30, and when he's 30, he picks 12 dudes to hang out with him. Well, 11 dudes and a hater, right? But he has 12 people, right? 
that come with him, and he has this one hater, and I still understand what he was trying to do with that, but, it, but God knew. But then, so 12 is a number of power and authority. Nothing that we face in our life is not going to be under God's power and authority. Our awareness to God's authority is directly connected to our faith. Okay? You have faith, that's good, but you've got to have action with that faith. You know, there's many places in the Bible, like earlier in the story, where they were, where Jesus was at the, down there at the bottom of the, 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 the ship, and they woke him up, they went, and they went up top, and he says, peace be still, and, and they were like, wow, it says they were wowed and in awe of his authority. The winds and the waves obey you, wow, that's, okay, and then what did he say to them, you of little faith. They were wowed at his authority. They didn't, they did not recognize his authority and his power, so therefore they had little faith. So the more you recognize God's power and authority, then you have more faith. What do you mean? Well, a lot of you do it. A lot of me do it. Well, a lot of I mean, it's not a lot of me. It's only one of me, thank God. But, but anyway, so we all do it. How many times have you been on the phone with somebody and you recognize that person? I'm going to say person because we get mad at people right on the phone. That person that we don't appreciate very well has no authority to make the decision that you need them to make. And you're like, what do you say? Can I speak to a supervisor, please? Can I speak to someone who can make this happen? Right? That's what we do, right? Because we, 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 I know you're a middleman. You, you can't make this decision. So I need to talk to somebody who can make the decision and make this happen. You are recognizing their authority and their power. And because of that, you get something done. Because they say, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. She's new on the job. He just started yesterday, whatever, whatever. And how can we make it better for you, right? Same thing with Jesus. When we recognize his authority and his power, he's going to say, you recognize who I am. You've come to me, and now you, had to, you recognize my authority and my power, and you have faith to act on that authority and power. So therefore, we're going to do something together. Amen? So she tried everything. She spent all her money on doctors, all her fortune, so she was broke as a joke. You know, what's that little, that little thing on uh, social media? And, and the little boy says, Jake has a dollar and 20 cent. He says, so, so what is Jake? And he said, Jake broke, you know. Anyway, it's really funny if you watch it. Sorry. Okay, stick to the program, Doug. Okay. So, but anyway, so she was trying to find a cure. There was no hope. There was no cure. This woman was literally wasting away. And she was thinking, I'm anemic. How much, I'm in 12 years. How much longer can I make it? To make things even worse, she had another condition. Because in the, according to the Jewish law, you know, thank God we're not in the law no more. But, but if you were, if you were, um, had a, a menstruating, you were a menstruating woman, either by your menstrual cycle or by illness, you were considered unclean. Especially if it was longer than, tw longer than 12 days or whatever, a week. And so what happened was, in, in, in Leviticus 15, it talks about it and says that if you're unclean and you lay on a bed, that bed is unclean. If you sit in a chair, that chair is unclean. And if a man touched a woman that was unclean like that, then he had to, according to Levit Leviticus 15, he had to go through a whole purification process. Nobody wanted to do that. So she was an outcast. She was a misfit. She was isolated from everybody. And she was unclean. And when she went anywhere in town, she had to yell, unclean. So people would know, especially men, not to touch her. So for 12 years, she had this physical illness and social isolation. For 12 years, nobody wanted to be around her. 
If she had kids, they were gone. If she was married, she's obviously not married anymore because 12 years, she can't even be in the same bed with the man and she's gone. Of course, a lot of people today sleep in separate beds for some odd reason, but anyway. Um, so the thing is, is that, that for 12 years, she was isolated and, and they were all gone and they were all away. And all of a sudden, she was sitting there. She was becoming more weak, more painful, more isolated, more lonely, trying to figure out what is happening. But not this day. Why? Because she heard, Scripture says she heard that Jesus was in town. Let me give you a little another thing right here. And I want to tell you that, that she heard that Jesus was in town. So when you're out in town, we must talk about Jesus. We must share that we've had miracles up in this house. We must share that we've had a lot of people saved in this house. We must talk about all the things that's happened to us personally out in the marketplace. Why? Because people will hear you. And when they hear you, it might be the one thing that they know, man, you know what? Enough is enough. I want to go to that house. I want to go get healed. I want to go get saved. I want to go get changed. I want something to happen to me. But if nobody's talking about it in the marketplace, like I said the other Friday night, there's a lot of negativity going around. People's going to hear that, and they're going to act on the negativity. Why can we not be in the marketplace talk? We're so scared that somebody's going to get mad at us because we talk about Jesus, you know, and that. But they don't mind dropping the F-bombs and GD and this and that and the other in front of us. So why can't we talk about Jesus? When I was in the military, when I first started, of course, I kind of fell away from grace for a little while but but um when i first started they would call me preacher boy and and you know they would they would they would say well genie like praise god well, well f this praise jesus christ amen thank you jesus every time they would say drop the f bomb or genie i would always just thank that start praising god you know and it was so funny you know well what are you doing well if you can cuss at him i can praise him right and that's what i would say to him and they're like okay do whatever i was like okay boy preacher boy and he'd go on I'll tell you about my fall one day. I think I've already had one, but anyway. But, so, but maybe you in here today, you have an issue. Maybe you have a weakness. You have a pain. You have an isolation. You're lonely. You're rejected. Maybe your issue is alcohol, drugs, pornography, anger, unforgiveness, jealousy, bitterness. Maybe you just need healing. Maybe you need hope. Maybe you need restoration. Not today you don't need anymore. Why? Because Jesus is in town. Jesus is in this house. The good thing about being in town with Jesus is that he's always in town now. Because he's not physical where he has to walk from town to town. Anywhere you are, Jesus is. So today, you could be set free from your issue. Anybody got issues in here besides me? Amen. Hers was the issue of blood. We, some of us just got issues, right? Okay. But just the thought of this man encouraged her and ignited her. Just the thought of... of, of Jesus lifted her spirits. And when she heard these stories of the Son of God, you know, performing miracles, casting demons out, healing the sick, breaking the bread and turning it in, water into wine, all these wonderful things, it gave her anticipation of what? Wow, maybe things could change. After 12 long years, maybe, maybe I can, I can get healed. Matter of fact, I know. I've heard all these things. I know that I know that I know. If I can get to him, I can get healed. Maybe I can get a husband again, or my husband will come back to me. Maybe I can hug my children. Maybe I can go out in public. Maybe I can, like, spend time in the sun, and I can go to the marketplace and touch somebody's hand and shake their hand and be a part. And I don't have to be ashamed of it. But she heard that they were healed, and she wanted it. So she went through this process in her mind, I'm sure, and she was like, but is it worth it? Because if I go to Jesus, and they spot me, and they know that I'm unclean, they're going to rebuke me. They may even stone me. 
They're going to beat me down because so I, nobody can recognize me. And is, is it worth the chance to do that? Maybe I can have a friend and a husband, and maybe I can have some friends maybe over to my house one day. It's got to be worth it. Is it, wor- is it worth expending the energy that i got to spend? Because if Jared, she didn't know this, but Jared was already, like I said, marching Jesus right on. And my, my daughter's died. They, you know, he was probably almost at a, almost of a jog trying to get, at, get to his house. So she definitely, with, with 12, 12 years of hemorrhaging blood, she, there's no way she was able just to keep up with the crowd. So she would have to give it all she got. But I believe that Jesus can do something about my situation, she thought. It's going to be worth fighting that crowd. And like I said, and women at that time were not supposed to get close to Jesus. If you remember the alabaster box, which is one of my favorite stories, a woman walked in there and she broke her alabaster box and washed Jesus' feet with her hair. And what did the men in the room say? How dare her? Who does she think she is coming in here? Look what we could have done with all this money. So at that time, that, that's how it was. So, so she, had, she had all this stuff going through her mind, but I'm not supposed to be around Jesus, especially him, and he's a rabbi. And, you know, and if I touch him and, and he sees me and they, he may be unclean and what's going to happen and this and that and the other, she would just go through all the scenarios in her mind. And we do that, don't we? We, we go through all the scenarios in our mind, how it's going to play out, what's going to happen, what if, what if, what if, what if. But you better believe it was worth it. She knew that he had changed other people's lives, and she was aware of the miraculous healings that took place. And she said, if I can just get to him. See, she was a believer. And for the first time in 12 years, she had some hope. And she knew it wasn't going to be easy because this was a ridiculously large crowd. Because everybody wanted to see this miracle. They'd been following him all day long. They saw him cast out demons um, into the pigs. And the pigs running. They saw all this stuff that was happening. And they heard about him at the water stopping the, 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 the waves and the winds. And so there's a big, huge crowd. So she had to keep up. She had to make her way clawing through this crowd. And she had to do it as quietly as possible. possible. And I love that it says that she was clawing through the crowd. Because so many times, we want to come to Jesus head up. But, but, but here, and I love the posture of her heart. It's not about how she was crawling. It's the posture of her heart of humility. Coming to Christ on our knees in prayer and submission. And she didn't want to be noticed, and she didn't want to stop the procession, because if she's noticed, they're going to maybe stone her, and if she stopped the procession, everybody's going to recognize her. She didn't want Jesus to draw attention to, to Jesus to recognize her, because then he'll call her out and may say, hey, why are you here? What's going on with you? Stone her, whatever. And she just didn't even want him to even know that she was going to touch him. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I don't want to grab his body. If I could just touch the hem, that much faith, and if I could just take, touch his tangible clothes. And she said, enough is enough. Somebody say that. Enough is enough. So y'all didn't sound, y'all didn't, y'all didn't sound like it's enough yet. You know what I'm saying? Y'all like, enough is enough. That, 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 you're not desperate enough, right? We got to get to the place. Enough is enough, right? Amen. Amen. And she said, if I can only get to the fringe of his garment, I can be healed. I can get in, I can get out, and nobody will recognize me, and I'll be fine. With every bit of strength she could muster, she pushed and she caught up with the crowd and she kind of squirreled through through the middle and probably was covered her hair probably. And she was within striking distance of Jesus and she was right there in her emotions and her blood pressure was going up the little bit that she had. And she was getting probably a little bit weaker and weaker, but at the same time, her adrenaline popped in and she was just so excited about what was about to happen. And immediately she, she reached down and she touched the fabric, the, the little fringe, those little fringes, little frail little tassels that, that, that dragged through the mud, the mire, the clay, the dung, all the junk that's on the ground 
around. And all she did, she reached up and just grabbed a little bit of that, just touched it, just brushed across it with her hand. Maybe not even touched it, I mean, not even grabbed it, but maybe just brushed across it. And immediately she felt healing flow through her body. The rush of energy. After 12 years, she hadn't felt this powerful before. She felt all that new blood flow through her body, and she's like, I'm healed. She knew it from that moment. Sometimes you can feel healing. And I know Craig can attest to this. He's, he's been healed before. Where even before he went to the doctor, he said, I knew that I was healed. But immediately, you know, she, the, immediately she was healed. Just like Peter. When Peter walked on the water and he, and he, he left, lost his focus, what did it say? He, Jesus reached down, and me, immediately Jesus reached down and picked him up. Now, if you, go, if, you're in, if you walk 12 miles into the woods, it's going to take you 12 miles to get back out of the woods, right? But when you're 12 miles into the woods and you, you touch with Jesus, immediately you're out of the woods. And that's, that's when things get, got crazy. To her horror, to her horror, even though she's healed, she was wondering what was about to happen because the crowd stopped. Jesus stopped. Oh, my gosh. Did he notice me? I mean, how could this be? I just touched his robe. I didn't even touch him. How did he even know that? She remained frozen. and She wanted to blend in with the crowd and try to act like this. You know, what, what will happen to me if Jesus finds out? I don't know what's going to go on. And Jesus said, who touched me? And everybody started looking around. And then, all of a sudden, she started getting, she's like, everybody's looking. Everybody's looking. I'm on the ground down here. What's going to go on? Everybody looked at Jesus. And everybody looked at Jesus like, like what are you talking about? Everybody's touching him. Matter of fact, Peter said, everybody's bumping up against you. You know, um, matter of fact, we've all touched you. Everybody was, I started to title this, don't rub elbows with Jesus. Everybody's rubbing elbows, you know, that little, that little COVID bump. That's why I didn't want to, I was like, forget that, I ain't, I ain't saying that. But everybody wanted to do a little COVID bump. That's why everybody's rubbing on Jesus, touching Jesus. Everybody's bumping up against him. See, that's the problem. We come to church and we just bump up against Jesus. Rather than going after him and wanting to get a touch from him. And Peter said that. And so, so obviously Jesus knew who touched him, but he was like, i got to make this a point. I don't want people to think that i got a magic robe. I want people to understand that she's touched the heart of God. There's nothing magical about this robe. There's no, you know, it's kind of like there's no magic prayer. You know, whenever you pray for God to come in here, there's no magic prayer. There's not certain things you got to say because, matter of fact, the man on the cross, all he said was what? Remember me. That was his prayer. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, we pray a prayer, but, but there's, no, there's, not, there's nowhere in the Bible that really says you have to pray a prayer. It says if you ask in your heart, I mean, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ raised from the dead and ask him to confess your sins, you shall be saved. And so there's really not a, a specific prayer to pray. You know, you could just say, remember me. I, I believe because it's in your heart. Because the moment someone says, man, I want to get saved. I'm going to come to church. I have, I've had people tell me before, well, I'm going to come to church Sunday and I'm going to get saved. And I'm thinking, you just got saved. Because you just confessed to me that you wanted to get saved. It's in your heart. You've already made a decision. You may go through the motions later on, but it's already done. Because you've already said, I want to get saved. You, your heart's done. You confess that you want to get saved. You know, so, so, and you know that Jesus is Lord. So it's already happened. I love that. But she wanted to, she wanted to, um, she wanted, he wanted her and the crowd to know that it was because of her faith that she got healed. Verse 46 says, he said, someone deliberately touched me, and I felt healing power go from me. I think that's amazing, that when, he, when, when she just brushed the hem of his garment, he felt virtue flow. He felt power come out of him. He felt the release of healing into her body. Excuse me. I was about to sneeze. 
She, but she had to face the music. And she, had to con- and she had to confess what was done. So when she turned around, she said, let me, let me just tell you my story. Since I'm caught, let me tell you my story. And she was ready for the rebuke. She's like, I'm healed. I've got my, my prayers answered. Now I'm ready to face the music. Whatever happens, happens. But I'm healed now. And she sat there trembling and shaking. And Jesus uttered a word that would change forever. He said, daughter. Wow. That was a term of endearment. It was not a rebuke. He didn't say, woman, who art thou? He didn't say, how dare you? He didn't say, stone her. He said, daughter. And it made all the difference in the story. If you read the King James Version, at the beginning of this story, it says, there was a certain woman. She was a certain woman, a nobody, an outcast. And then Jesus said, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. And now he says, daughter. So you know what? God could take a nobody, turn them into a somebody, and call them a daughter or a son. Make him somebody. Amen? She went from having an issue or a condition to having a position of a daughter. She realized that, that, that she was on her knees and she was worshiping, uh, worshiping an approachable God. And we, we, we feel so many times that I'm too far gone, I'm too far out. Nobody, God can't help me, God can't change me. My past is too bad. I got too many issues. I'm a social outcast. Nobody cares about me. God really doesn't love me. And when we come to God, we're, go, we're coming to, to God really just thinking, okay, I'm confessing, now go ahead, you're going to punish me, aren't you? And that's not the God that I serve. She had a flow that caused an issue, and it got her, a, she, she had, a, she had a, a flow of blood issue, and then she got a transfusion and a flow of power in the blood flowing through her. And this woman was at opposite ends of the spectrum with Jarius. See, Jarius was a person of respect and authority and power. He was on the high court. He had lots of money. He was rich. He had, a, he had pull. He had influence. He was highly honored in the community. And she was a nobody. She was a social outcast. She was identified by her issue. There's a lot of people in our community, in our world, that we identify them by their issue rather than themselves. And that's not what God wants. Because we all, before we got saved, had issues. And she was bleeding from the inside. Nobody saw her issue until she said unclean. By law, she had to say that. There's a lot of people in this room and in this community that nobody don't see their issues. Everybody thinks they look fine, but they don't realize they're bleeding on the inside. They were two polar opposites from the socioeconomical landscape. But here's one thing that brought them together. Both Jarius and, Bo- and also and this woman with the issue of blood, both were desperate for Jesus to help them. Just like blind Bartimaeus on the side of the street. He was desperate. He was blind. And he said, hey, listen, um, um, son of David, come, Jesus, son of David, come, come heal me. And everybody's like, shut up. Man. Stay up there and stay, keep, keep over there. You're blind. Blind Bartimaeus. He was known by his issue. And he, he did not. He said, I'm desperate for Jesus. And he screamed even louder, it said. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And he was, he was known as a wee little man. All during, all during our, our, our uh Children's church back in the day, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. That was his issue, right? And then we have, we have this woman with the issue of blood and Jarius. But he was her only hope. 
And I'm telling you these stories to demonstrate that Jesus is available to everyone. I don't care if you've got money, fame, and fortune. And you're in Hollywood somewhere. Jesus is available to you. And I don't care if you're a social outcast. Everybody looks at you, calls you names by your issues and what you say you are and who you are, your lifestyle, your background, all this stuff. They're judging you by that. That's not how God works. And he showed that right here. I'm going to Jerry's house. And he's got authority. You think, well, hey, he's, going. he's just going because he's got money. But then all of a sudden, he helps this young lady here that had an issue. He's no respecter of church, uh, persons. He's no respecter of persons. He loves and cares and reaches out to every one of us. So why is a church such a respecter of persons? Why is a church always looking at people and we want to judge who we come through the door? And when they come through the door, we want to judge them and decide if we want to accept them or not. Why do we want to look at somebody and judge them by their issue? I am sick and tired of us as Christians expecting non-Christians to have Christian values. People fuss, cuss, and raise all kind of sin, you know, and we, and we, and we, have, we have so many. I can't believe they're sinners. That's what they do. They sin. Just because they come to the church, they're still sinners until they get saved. So if they're in the house of God and you hear them, I'm sure they're trying, but just because some, a sinner comes in here and you hear them slip up and say something they shouldn't say, I can't believe they just cuss in the house of God. They're in the house of God. We got to get over ourselves. Sinners are going to sin. And we can't expect them to be Christians before they change. Our job is to love them and not look at them any different than anybody else and say, God, we're going to love them, we're going to care for them, we're going to teach, we're going to build a relationship with them. And once we build a relationship with them, then we can have conversations with them and then we can have the hard questions answered. But until we have a conversation with them and we build a relationship, we don't have a right to talk to them about anything. Because we don't know their story. Amen. Ooh, that's better than y'all are shouting, I'll tell you that right there. Have you ever felt like that you had no business getting next to Jesus? Have you ever felt unclean? You sinned. You've done something. You had an attitude. You need an attitude adjustment. You've done something wrong. We all sin, so we all sin, right? And, you know, and when we do that, we try so hard to make it right. And rather than knowing his authority and his power and coming to the throne boldly, as he says, and say, God, I really messed up. Forgive me. What do we want to do? We try to pay penance. I'm going to read more scriptures tonight. I'm going to pray more often this week. I'm going to fast this week. But when you're doing it just to try to earn God's love back, you're doing it in vain. Because all we got to do is say, God, forgive me. And you're forgiven. Man. Praise God. He welcome, he'll welcome you if you're like Jarius, honored, respected, in a position of power. And he'll welcome you if you're like this woman, weak, an outcast, on the fringe, a misfit, or even considered unclean. To Jesus, it does not matter. And to us, it shouldn't either. They both shared this desperate faith to get to Jesus. So I want to make two points if you want to go ahead and play. Two quick points here at the end and we'll be done. Number one, we have to claw through the crowd. This is a type of faith that touches the heart of God. I'm not saying you've got to get on your knees and crawl to Jesus. 
I'm saying with the same tenacity that she was having, saying, I've got to get to Jesus. Pushing through the crowd and not letting nothing or nobody stop you from getting to him. Even though you may be unclean. Going after him. In order for this kind of miracle to happen in your life, you've got to be willing to, to pursue God with all that you have, holding nothing back. But we are weak and anemic, and we don't want to go after God. We want God to come to us. Well, God, I prayed, now, now you've got to come to me and help. We, we're so selfish with God. When we've got to go after Him. We come to church, you know, Christians at all, at all churches, not just all churches. How many times do we come to church deliberately to get blessed? How many times do we worship deliberately to get blessed, to touch the heart of God? How many times do you wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to church today to reach the heart of God? It's so wonderful. I was talking to, to Ronnie well, a while ago out in the hallway. And I, he don't know. He just preached my sermon, though, out there. He said, you know what? A lot of people tell me, you know, what, you know go to church. Hey, I'm going to see this person that person today. He said, you go to church, you see this person that person and, and do this. And here. He said, I go to church to worship God. That's deliberateness. And that's what we got to be. We, we got, when we come to church, we need to say, if you're sick, you got to say, I'm going to church today. I'm going to get healed. I'm going to church today, and my issue's going to go away. I'm going to go to church today, and I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to get in his presence. But no, we don't do that. What do we do? I'm going to church today. We have no expectation on the Father. And then when the Father does not, does not act in our behalf, well, I went to church and nothing happened. Why did you go to church? I went to church and nothing happened, but you didn't come deliberately. You, you just come to bump elbows with Jesus. We got to get to church. And we got to come and try every time we come to church we got to come with a heart and a passion i'm going to touch jesus and when we don't try that and we don't come purposely to touch jesus we can't complain about how our week went man whoo i don't know if it's just that good or y'all just ain't listening or what but i just tell you it's a word from the lord whether you like it or not this woman was willing to fight through the crowd are you are you willing to do whatever it takes? You're like, but I don't need to fight through a crowd. You know, we, we don't have enough people here to fight through the crowd. Well, you know what? How about, the, how about the crowd of peer pressure? How about the crowd of doubt and skepticism? How about the, the crowd of fear and cynicism? How about the, the crowd of rejection and resentment? How about the crowd of popular opinion? Are you willing to fight through popular opinion to be truthful and tell the truth even though it's not popular? How about the, 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 the crowd of pride? How about the, the, pride, the, the crowd of the pain of your past? How about the, the crowd of the enemy's accusations? How about the crowd of the social, society's politics and racism? How about your own emotions and alienation and shame that you have? We got to fight through all that. We got to fight through all that and get to where we got to go. Whatever it takes, we got to get to Jesus. And we got we to quit showing up to God at the church undeliberately. We got to quit showing up to our prayer time and reading our Bible. We, we read our Bible at home. Well, I read my Bible, but I didn't read the Bible looking for Jesus. I didn't read the Bible looking for a touch from God. I just read my Bible. 
And I prayed and I prayed. I, I said my prayers, but I didn't pray to try to touch God. So why didn't everyone in the crowd in that miracle, you know there was people in that, in that crowd that, that, that needed healing, that needed hope. Why aren't there other, any other miracles in that crowd they talk about? Because the whole point of this was that she deliberately touched the heart of God. They just came, bumping elbows. They were more worried about who was on the right and who was left of God than, than getting their healing. They were more worried about how big their church was than getting their healing and hope. They were more worried about who had the better position and how much ties came in that week than, who, than, who, than, than touching Jesus. They were more worried about what people thought about them and how they looked than what they thought about Jesus. I guarantee you in a size that crowd, somebody needed healing, had pains and aches. There's only, there's only one woman that was out to touch him. She had faith in Jesus. It was no casual touch. It was deliberate. I'm just going to go right on past some of this right here because I want you to know, do you deliberately touch Jesus when you pray, when you fast, when you worship? Even when you give, when you have money in your pocket and you put money in the offering and say, God, this is to touch you. This is to have my needs met. This is to bless the church. This is to bless the community. God, I want to touch you. When you study God's word, are you there just to read? Are you there to study God's word and learn something and, and become closer to God? When we, when we submit to God, are we just submitting because we're told to submit? Or do we submit to try to get closer to him? When you confess your sins, are you doing it because you're told to do that and because that's the right thing to do, the cliche thing to do? Or are you doing it because you really want forgiveness? When you honor him, are you there just to honor him or to touch him? I don't know. That's good. That's enough. Hallelujah. Okay, I know why you're quiet now. I feel in my spirit that God's dealing with a lot of people. Don't ever get me wrong. Don't ever get me wrong. He always deals with me before I get in this pulpit. So I ain't throwing stones. I've already got them dropped on my head this week about my own life and about my own deliberateness and my own prayer time and my own study time. Am I, am I studying to, to reach Jesus or am I studying to reach you? I've already been asked the questions by God. So don't think I'm up. I'll never stand up here and beat you down that I ain't never, I don't ever want to beat you down, but I don't ever want to step on your toes that my foot ain't been crushed. <laughs> I promise you that. Because we in this together, friends. I ain't no better than you. I'm just called to be your shepherd. I'll be, I'm, I'm held more accountable than you, but I'm not no better than you. Remember that. And I love you. You're a big deal to me and you're a bigger deal to God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Hallelujah. Father, I feel your presence. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for touching hearts today. Is there anybody here at all that would say, Pastor, like I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, but I want to be saved. I need Christ in my life. I want to change my life. I need to be more deliberate about my life, and I need Jesus. Anybody want to receive Christ today? Anybody at all? Maybe online. You want to reach it. If you, if you don't feel comfortable saying something there, you can always... Um, message me and we'll talk about that as well or I'll call you who would say Pastor Doug pray for me that I will be more deliberate 
trying to touch God in my everyday life. Both my hands are up. And if we would, guys, if we would, in Jesus' name, amen, look at me. If we would truly be more deliberate, they would truly be more miracles, signs and wonders. There'll be, this church will be more full. All churches will be more full. There'll be more salvations. If we would just live more deliberately and really try to read. Now, now listen, sometimes you go through this process and I can't explain sometimes why some, sometimes I have faith and it doesn't happen. I don't understand that. I just got to trust God. And just because God doesn't answer this prayer does not mean that I have any less faith for the next prayer. I've had faith where I knew that I knew that I knew God was going to move. And he didn't move. And you know what? The next person that I, that I believed for was healed or touched. Now, if I would have not had the same faith as I did the first time, then you know what? It might not have happened. So we can't wean our faith just because, and the thing is, it's not, it's not God's will. It's, it's maybe we, we don't understand what God's trying to do in a situation. So when it don't go your way, don't quit being deliberate. Be more deliberate. Say, God, I don't know what happened there. I just trust you. And then go to the next thing and say, God, but I trust you again. Thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does anybody have an issue in your life? I'm not saying an issue of blood or something like this, an issue that you want prayer for, and you're like, Pastor Doug, I'm just going through some stuff, and I just want to come up, and I just want you to, to anoint me with oil and just pray for me just that God will help me through this issue. If you want to do that, we can cut the, the feed now. God bless you guys. Praying for you. Let us know if you need anything. We're here to help as much as we can. 